Second Timothy. Book of Second Timothy. Thank you very much, Dean. I sure appreciate that. I don't know if this is the reason why I did it, but I did tell him a long time ago. I said, Brother, you ought to sing Come Thou Found. I love that song. And uh, I, I, whatever reason, I guess I like songs about fountains. Uh, my other favorite song is probably There's a Fountain. So whatever that means, I don't know. But I really like that song, and I appreciate you singing that. That was well done. And Second Timothy tonight. And uh, just a simple thought tonight. Of course, probably all my messages have simple thoughts, but uh, just a simple thought. I want to encourage you with one thing, and that is this. I want to encourage you to die on the battlefield. I want you in your heart to make a determination to die on the battlefield. And uh, you think about what, what does that mean exactly? And I think Paul lays it out for us pretty good in this book here. In this passage, I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this is, as many of you know, the end of his career, the end of his life. This is the last writing that we have of the Apostle Paul, and he understands in this book that he is coming to the end. He doesn't have much time left, and uh, very few days left on this earth. And he's writing to one of his protégés, Timothy, and he shares with him a few things. And he says this at the end, at the, at the end of this book. He says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And what a great testimony Paul had. And of course, we know that Paul is widely regarded as the greatest human missionary, and he traveled around the known world at the time, planting churches everywhere he went. The Lord was with him, the Lord blessed him every step of his life, and he gave his all. And he was a man who had a lot of passion and a lot of zeal. And from the moment he became an adult, he was going after it. And early on in his career, he, his passions were misguided. But they were still there. He had a passion for what he thought was right. And that was the Jewish faith and, and, and going after these newfangled Christians and trying to stop the spread of the religion of this Jesus Christ character. And he was going around everywhere. And he had a, a great passion for that. And in Acts chapter 9, it says, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughterings. I mean, that was kind of his attitude. He was going after these people. But then on the road to Damascus, he heard from Christ. A light from heaven came down and it changed his life forever. And from that point on, he was not uh, one that went after the followers of Jesus. He was one who followed after Jesus. And that same passion that he had extended right with him. And he became quickly a leader in the church. And over the years that followed, he accomplished more for the cause of Christ than just about anyone else in the history of, of the earth. It's amazing to think of what he did. And here at the end of his life, he says, I'm now ready to be offered. He says, I realize that my life is at end. But he says, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. And here was a guy who kept fighting right till the end. And he died on the battlefield. He wasn't on the sidelines. He hadn't quit and left his weapons there and gone off to do something else. He died right there on the battlefield. And that's how it should be for every one of us as Christians. Those who claim the name and the cause of Christ, who make a determination to follow after Christ with our lives, we need to have that same determination to die still on the battlefield. You know, I think it's inevitable in the United States today that we... Uh, with all the prosperity and the ease that we have around us, that we have a much easier brand of Christianity. And sometimes people really get upset about that. They say, ah, we Christians in America, we're so soft. And, I, you know, I thank God that we're able to be soft. All right? You know, we're here in, in a church, 
and uh, it's somewhat air-conditioned tonight, and we're able to do, preach uh, the Word of God however we want, and we're able to worship however we want, and we're able to raise our families however we want. We don't have persecution. We don't have people taking our Bibles away from us. We don't have people throwing us into jail for naming the name of Christ. We have it pretty easy, and I thank God for that. And sure, there, there is a part of me that, that wishes that I could at some point that have been there in the intense persecution. I think when there's intense persecution that... For the most part, people are closer to Christ. Christians are, have a more real relationship with Christ than they do in days like today. I believe that. But man, I don't know that I'd want my family to have to go through that. I wouldn't want to have to raise kids in a time where at any moment their dad could be hauled off to jail, maybe never to be seen again. We have it easy here in the United States. And so I think it's inevitable that sometimes we begin to grow lax in our Christian faith. We begin to take it easy to the point where we forget how much of a battle it really is. How much of a battle that the Christian life needs to be in our lives? We don't have persecution, but, you know, we can still fight. And we still need to fight. We still have to fight every day. Listen, I want you to understand something. The devil is after you. The devil is after you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to to rip up your life. He's as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He doesn't want to just nibble on on you. He wants to destroy everything about you. He wants to devour you. That's what the devil wants to do. Man, he wants to find anything he can do in your life and just twist it and turn it around and turn it into something that is just so awful and terrible and leave you with no hope for the future. That's what the devil wants to do. Don't forget this. The world is after us as well. The world wants us to be like them. The world wants us to follow after what they're doing. You know, it's difficult as Christians, or it should be difficult as Christians in the world sometimes. You walk, you drive down the street, and the people don't, the people on the billboards, they don't dress the way that we believe the Bible tells us to. You turn on the television, they don't dress that way. And you, you, you teenagers go to public school, and they don't dress and live and act that way. Everybody does it differently, and that should be difficult for us as Christians. Sometimes it's not difficult for Christians because they just say whatever and just go with what the world does. You know, Jesus didn't promise his disciples an easy life. He promised them a wonderful life, but he didn't promise them an easy life. He said, in this world you'll have persecution. He said, the world will hate you. I do wonder what, sometimes why more Christians aren't hated. Some Christians are loved by everybody in the world. You know, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong when that happens. Uh, the Christian life is a difficult thing. and uh, The world, they want, to, they want to get you. The world wants you to be just like them. And we need to be very careful as Christians, our associations. And so many of us have no choice but to work in a... Uh, a workplace that's filled with, with unbelievers. And that can be a difficult thing. And we have to be careful about the influence that we're getting there. Uh, for many of us who are on Facebook, we have a lot of Facebook friends who aren't necessarily Christians. And again, we've got to be careful about the influence that they have on us. The world is after us. And you know what's almost the most tragic sometimes of all is how our own flesh is seeking to destroy us. Our own body is doing that. I mean, you think, okay, fine. So the devil's after us and the world's after us. That's inevitable. We just have to live with that. But guess what? Your your own body is trying to tear you down. You say you have a determination and desire to live for Christ. Next thing you know, your own flesh is trying to get you to go against Christ. The Apostle Paul, we're talking about him right now, and he struggled with this just as much as anyone did. Romans chapter 7, he says, That which I, I would, I do not, and that which I would not, that I do that's the, the lifestyle that, that we live, isn't it? How many times have we said, made a determination, I'm going to do right. And next thing you know, we find ourselves doing wrong. You, you know what this needs to mean for us? What we have got to understand is that we are in a battle. 
We're in a battle each and every day of our lives. The question is whether we're going to wake up to that fact and whether we're going to start fighting back. You know, the minute you stop fighting, you're going to lose. The minute you stop fighting against the devil, the minute you stop trying to beat back the world, the minute you give in to your flesh, you're going to lose this battle that maybe you don't even realize you're fighting. You're in a battle. I came across a quote that said, Life is a fight, but not everyone is a fighter. And all around us, we see evidences of people who have stopped fighting. They've given up. So many Christians who maybe at one time were trying to fight against all this or, uh, that, that's against them, but maybe they never did fight. But they've given up and they are not fighting today. And their lives, their marriages, their children are suffering as a result. Listen, are you fighting today? Are you fighting this battle, this great battle that's being fought all around you? Have you made a determination to fight? That's the, I just want you to understand that. You're in a battle, but are you fighting? You've got to make a determination tonight to say, dear, go, dear God, dear Lord, I am going to start fighting. I'm going to start doing what I need to do. I'm going to start beating back. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give out. I'm going to start fighting back in every way that I can. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. I've got a few things tonight that I want to share with you. But first, I want you to understand how important it is to fight. You say, oh, I don't like conflict. Very few people do. Maybe there's a few people who actually enjoy conflict, but for the most part, people don't enjoy it. They don't like it, but listen to me. This is a conflict that you cannot lose. You've got to wake up every day and say, you know what, today I, I better start fighting. Because today the devil's going to be after me. And today the world's going to be coming after my, my, my family. And, and, and my own flesh is going to try to harm me today. And I know the devil's going to try to get my kids today. And what am I going to do to fight back? You've got to be fighting all the time. You know, you may win that battle today. You may win the fight today. I hope you do. Man, it's a Sunday, right? You're in church a couple times. You get to hear some messages. Maybe you got to hear a good Sunday school lesson this morning. And, and, and maybe you got to work on a bus route this morning. And now you're here in church on Sunday night and you're listening to another message. And man, maybe today you say, hey, I did pretty good. I read my Bible this morning and I heard some messages. And I had a smile on my face. And I didn't watch any of that television that sometimes I'm tempted to watch. And I didn't have those conversations on Facebook that I do a lot of times. And I'm doing pretty good today. And now I'm inspired. And you go home tonight and you have a family devotions with your family. And you go to bed and you're thinking, praise God, I did it. I won the battle. Well, guess what? In just a few hours, you're going to wake up again. And it starts all over. Just because you win it on Sunday does not mean anything for Monday. You say, well, at least he gave me some momentum. You know, maybe all it did was alert the devil that he's got somebody that he really needs to focus on on Monday. That may be all that it did. And you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and realize, wow. As your family is in complete chaos, you know, and the, the power's out and there's water flooding all over the bathroom and the kids are late for school and you're late for work and all of a sudden tempers are frayed and you're getting mad and you're, you're, you're realizing, what happened? I felt so good when I went to bed last night. I felt so close to Jesus last night. I felt like I was really making a difference in my, in my in the Christian life. And today, man, I've already lost my temper with my kids. And then I went in and I snapped at my, uh, my fellow workers. And, and man, I've lost my testimony. And now, man, you just got to start fighting again. And then Tuesday, you're going to have to fight again. And Wednesday, the same thing. You've got to fight all the time. I want to share with you tonight a few things. And once we get that determination to truly fight, to be a soldier for Christ, to be a warrior in this battle of the Christian life, 
There's a few things that, that a warrior seeks, and I'm going to share those with you. Let's pray together, first of all. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. I pray that you'll watch over the O'Donnells as they're away. I pray that you'll keep them safe and give them a wonderful time of relaxation and fun. And I pray that you'll bring them back closely, uh, closer than ever, and ready to serve once again as they come back this weekend. Keep them safe, I pray in your name. Amen. All right, you know, I've, I've made a determination. You guys probably love me for this, but I, don't, I just don't preach very long. I'm just not a long preacher. And there was a time when I used to get upset about that. You know, I think everyone, you know, I've got to preach long. That's what everybody else does. And I've just given in. I, for whatever reason, I just don't have anything else to say, and I stop. That's what I do. And so uh, I'm not going to preach again, very long again tonight. I'm just going give to give you what I got, and that'll be it. And I will say this, though. If you're looking at your watch going, I can't believe he didn't even preach till 7 o'clock tonight. Listen, I started early. Tonight, if you look, at it, it was like it was like six seventeen, I think, when I got up here, and uh, Dean could have sung five or six more verses, and we'd have been fine. And so that's not my fault, but uh, but we'll get you out of here on time. Although you never know, I suppose someday the spirit of God is just going to strike, and I'm just going to go long, and that may be it. And I may always be a long-winded preacher after that. I'm not sure, but but that's all right. And uh, tonight I want to share with you a few things. And the first thing, it wants you determined to truly be a warrior for Christ. Someone who's going to stand for Christ and make that determination to die on the battlefield. There's certain things that a warrior, a true warrior, desires. The first thing, and, and this has a military theme to it for sure. The first thing that a true warrior seeks is a commander. A commander. You know, if, if you're going to give your all out on the battlefield, don't you want to be giving your all for someone that you can follow and you can respect and you can believe in? And I think that we have a... A bit of a problem sometimes in our military these last couple of decades with this where the common rank-and-file soldier has a hard time relating to or even possibly respecting the commander-in-chief. They still have to follow him. They still have to obey him. But they sometimes have a hard time with that. And certainly that's been the case throughout history. And today, of course, it's very different. Military commanders today, they, they fight from headquarters. And, and, and they command from, uh, you know, somewhere else, far distant from the actual battlefield. But there was a time when the, the, the rank-and-file commanders, they would be out there with the troops. And the best commanders would be one who led from the front. And we led from the front. I wonder tonight, do we have a commander that we can follow? I mean, do we have a commander that we can follow? If we think about our commander-in-chief as Christians, if we think about the one who rules and reigns over us, do we have a commander that we can truly respect and follow? Do we have one that we believe led from the front? Do we have one that we believe has given his all and sacrificed and done everything for us? I believe we have. We have a commander who was willing to live, leave the glories of heaven behind and come down here to earth. Be born in poverty and want. Sacrifice his very life for us. That's the kind of commander that we have. We have one who led from the front. From the front, And when he asks us to sacrifice, he has already sacrificed everything. And when he asks us to give, he has already given everything. And when he asks us to uh, sacrifice different parts of our lives, he has already sacrificed everything. He's already done that. You know, I... I came across something I want to read to you, and I know you ladies had some form of this in your ladies' Bible study, but it was written by Dr. S.M. Lockridge back in 1976 in a message. And I just want to share some things about our commander that I think will be a help to you. I'm going to read it, but I'm going to read it with feeling. Amen? All right, so it says this. I'm talking about Jesus, God Almighty. It says, He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my King. 
Feel free to say amen along the way. You don't have to wait for me to stop. He's God's Son. He's the sinner's Savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in Himself. He's honest. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the grandest idea in literature. That's my King. That's my commander. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call Him. He's the only one able to supply all our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He's the Almighty God who guides and keeps all His people. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And He beautifies the meek. That's my King. He's a king of knowledge, the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway of deliverance, the pathway of peace, the roadway of righteousness, the highway of holiness, the gateway of glory, the master of the mighty, the captain of the conquerors, the head of the heroes, the leader of the legislature, the overseer of the overcomers, the governor of governors, the prince of princes, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's my king. That's my commander. That's who I follow. The heaven of heavens can't contain him, let alone some man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him. You can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any faults in him. The witnesses couldn't uh, get their testimonies to agree about him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been and He always will be. I'm talking about the fact that He had no predecessor and He'll have no successor. There's nobody before Him and there'll be nobody after Him. You can't impeach Him and He's not going to resign. That's my King. That's the commander that I serve. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The great I am. The, 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 the first, the last, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who always will be. The Lion of Judah. The Lamb of God. Slain before the foundation of the world. He's my Father. Do we have a commander that we can follow? Man, if we make a determination to die on the battlefield tonight, do we have a commander that we can get behind and say, that's who I'm going to follow, and that's who I want to be like, and that's who I want to pattern my life after? Yes, we do. We have somebody. We have somebody. Never, never worry about that. Never worry about who you follow. Never worry about where your commander is and whether your commander has done enough to earn our respect. Our commander has done everything. Not only does a, a true warrior seek a commander to follow, but he also seeks comrades. He also seeks comrades. You know, that's a, a great thing about a church like this, because it's inevitable as we are asked to live the Christian life, which is so different from most people around us, and requires us to sacrifice things, and requires us to live differently from, from so many people around us, it's inevitable that we will get lonely, and we will suffer from peer pressure. And let's face it, when, when we as Christians think of peer pressure, we think of teenagers for the most part. We think of how teenagers, you know, they go into public school and they have a hard time and, uh, because they're so different from everybody else and they want to be like everybody else and, and they think about the youth group, the youth department as well. And, but you know what? It happens to adults just as much as it happens to teenagers. Peer pressure happens to everybody. And all of a sudden you see what everyone else is doing and you say, man, I kind of want to be like that. And I kind of want to listen to that music and I kind of want to dress that way and I kind of want to act that way and I kind of want to talk that way. And I wonder how many of us in here as adults have succumbed to peer pressure. Man, the Christian life can be a difficult thing. God calls us to be different, to come out from among them, to be separate, to be holy. And yet so often we end up just wanting to find the lowest common denominator and just say, well, what can I do just so I don't stick out too much? Just so no one looks at me funny. Just so I'm not different from other people. That's not what God called us to do. God called us to be different. He called us to be different. And 
That can be a, a tough thing sometimes for, sometimes for Christians. But you know what? That's what's great about a church like this because, sure, when you're at work, you may stick out like a sore thumb. And sure, when you're at school, you may be different from other people. And, and sure, you go to that family reunion, everybody kind of looks at you cross-eyed because you're not saying the same things and talking about the same TV shows and listening to the same music and dressing the same way and using the same kind of language. And, and yeah, that can be difficult, but you know what? When you come to this church, all of a sudden you find a community of believers who are comrades because we're doing the same things. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? You know, you'll go to picnics this summer. I know you will, and you're going to have family picnics, maybe a, a work picnic, and there's going to be some things said and done there that will be a little unfortunate, that, that aren't really necessarily what, what you would prefer to happen, and, and, and there's nothing you can do about it necessarily. But you know, when, when we're together as Christians, and we have our church picnic here in a few weeks, there's not going to be any rock music there. There's not going to be alcohol served at the table. You're not going to have to worry about those things. It's different because we are a community of believers who are set apart trying to do the same things. And what a beautiful thing that is to have comrades like that. And let's face it, though, I know what you're thinking. Half the time you don't even like the people at the church, right? Half the time you don't even like your fellow church members. And, and you know what? That's okay sometimes. In a family like this, there's always going to be conflict. In a family like this, there's always going to be disagreements that come up. The question is whether we'll handle them with a Christ-like spirit. That's the question. But there will come times when there will be some disagreements, there will be some things that arise, and that's okay. Not every one of us has to like necessarily each other. We just have to get along and develop the right family of, spirit, the family of God's spirit around here. But you know what's great about this when you think about a comrade? You know what's great about this? When you go to war with somebody, when you go to battle with somebody, you're going to develop a bond that will last a lifetime. Oh, sure, you may not necessarily like them at first, but you go to war with somebody, you'll come out of that with love and respect for them. Time and time again, it's been said how military people, when they go through a, a serious war situation, they develop such a tight bond with their fellow warriors, their fellow soldiers that will last them throughout a lifetime. Why, why is it that the VFW is still going strong so many years later? All these old men still getting together and spending time because there's a comradeship that they developed in battle. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you if you talk to some of these guys that they never get that feeling again. That feeling of, of being in a foxhole together, so to speak. Being with a guy where you know that at any moment you could be killed and you've got to fight and your life may depend on your fellow soldier. You know what? That's how it is in the Christian life. Man, you go to battle with somebody, you go to war with somebody, and you're here in the church, and you're fighting alongside each other, and you're trying to, 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 win the, to, to fight the good fight of faith, and you're trying to live for God, you're trying to do great things, you're trying to win souls, and you're trying to accomplish something great for God. All of a sudden you realize, man, the people behind, beside you, those are your best friends in all the world. I found that throughout my life, and I've had great friends throughout my life, and for the most part, they've always been in the church. It's those people that I find myself fighting alongside. Not fighting with, but fighting alongside. As we fight this good fight of faith together, as we battle against the devil, and we battle against the world, and we try to change hearts and lives, and we try to make a difference, all of a sudden you'll realize that you've got some comrades that can last through you, last a lifetime with you. And how exciting that is. How exciting that is to have people that you grow close together because you're serving the Lord together. That's how it is at this church. I've served with you. I've prayed with you. I've laughed with you. I've cried with you. I've worked with you. I, I, I've sought to win souls alongside many of you. I've sought to do great things. Man, you never forget that. You never forget that feeling that you have together as you work together. It's a great thing. And uh, Shakespeare, 
put it greatly together in a great poem that he wrote, a, a great thing that he wrote in a play, Henry V. I'm going to read some things for you. And it was, it was all about a battle that was fought on St. Crispin, Crispin's Day. Many of you have probably heard this before. Maybe not in a long time, but it says this. The king is speaking to another soldier here, and he says, We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. Old men forget, yet all shall be forgot. But he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in his mouth as household words, be in their flowing cups, freshly remembered. This story shall the good man teach his son from this day to the ending of the world. But we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few. We band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. This day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now in bed, shall think themselves a curse. They were not here. And hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's day. A great battle was fought. And there was a togetherness that brought those men together. To where they could say they were a band of brothers. Man, that's what we, the type of fellowship and spirit we can develop at a church like this. This is an aggressive church, a soul-winning church. As we seek to go out, we seek to win the lost. And we're working together. And we're fighting side by side, trying to beat back the devil. And trying to hold off the world. And trying to accomplish something great for God. We can develop such a wonderful spirit here. As we fight alongside our comrades. And accomplish something great for God. Thirdly, though. Not only does a warrior seek a commander, not only does he seek comrades, but thirdly, he seeks a cause. He seeks a cause. And our youth rally this year is called Driven for Christ. Our theme verse, 1 Samuel 17, 29, where David is speaking to those who are criticizing him for going after Goliath. He said, is there not a cause? So many of those soldiers who were bigger, stronger, taller than David, they were afraid. And they thought, why are you going after it? What's the, worth, what's the use of it? It's not worth it, David. They said, hold off, David. You don't need to do this, David. And David looked him in the eye and he said, is there not a cause? He said, is there not a giant out there who's criticizing my God? Is there not a giant out there who's trying to do everything he can to hurt the name of Christ? Is there not a giant out there who wants to do anything he can to destroy my army? And if I have to sacrifice my life, if I have to give my life... David said, it's worth it. It's worth it. And I ask you today, as you consider whether you want to die on the battlefield, I ask you, is there not a cause? I ask you today, as no doubt there are some of you in here who at times, maybe recently, maybe in the past, and certainly will happen in the future, there will be a time where you wonder, is it worth it anymore? Is it worth it? Making my family do this week after week? Is it worth it following Christ? Is it worth it when it seems like I see other people around me who are prospering, who are doing better than I am, when they don't work as hard as I do, and they don't sacrifice as many things as I do? And maybe you begin to think, is it worth it? Maybe I don't even need to worry about it anymore. Maybe I should just give up. Let me ask you something. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to live for Christ? Is there not a cause out there of hundreds, of thousands, and millions of people who are dying and going to hell without the hope of salvation? Because we aren't telling them. As we look around this city of Akron, is there not a cause? Is there not people here who don't have any hope for tomorrow? Are there people who are living in poverty and don't know anything about Christ? Aren't there people that we can reach and more souls that we can uh, teach the, the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ and more doors that we can knock on, more bus routes that we can add, more Sunday school classes that we can have? Isn't there more that we can do? There is a cause. 
There's so many people in this world who are fighting for so many things that just aren't worth it. There are people out there who give their lives for, to, to, for environmental causes. And I'm not trying to belittle someone who does that, but I would have a hard time spending the rest of my life trying to save the whales. I would have a hard time spending the rest of my life trying to, to save some duck-billed platypus that perhaps is an endangered species. But you know what? I'm concerned with the souls of men. That's what I'm concerned about. There is a cause. And there are so many out there who are waiting for me and they're waiting for you to give them the gospel. There is a great cause. And if we give up and we put down our arms and we walk away from the battlefield and we say it's not worth it anymore, I'd rather be a spectator. And I'm not going to worry about what God has for me anymore. I'm just going to give up. I'm going to quit. I'm going to turn back. I'm not going to live for God anymore. We'll abandon the cause. The greatest cause in human history. There is a cause tonight, Christian. There is a cause. Do you know that God doesn't necessarily need us? He could win the loss in any other way, but He chose us. He chose us, and He has given you a particular task that only you can accomplish. I understand how it is. Sometimes we, we feel useless. Sometimes we feel worthless and we say, God, I, I can't do what so-and-so can do. And God, I, I, I don't have the ability to reach people the way so-and-so can. And, and God, I, I haven't been given uh, the gifts that so-and-so has. I haven't been given things. But you know what? That, that's all well and good. God gave different gifts and talents and abilities and things to different people. But what God gave you was something special that only you can do. And if you walk away, that may be undone. God has people for you to reach. God has people that He wants you to make a difference in their lives. And if you walk away from it, and you don't do it, and you give up, those people may not be reached. They say, oh, somebody else will reach Him. You don't know that. You don't know what God will do. You don't know how God's going to handle things. God may be relying on you to reach them. And if you give up, and you quit, and you walk away, it may never happen. There's a cause. There's a cause. Don't ever think that you're worthless in the service of God. Maybe there was a time when you were involved in a particular ministry and now you're not. Or maybe there was a ministry that you really think that you'd be good at, but it just hasn't worked out yet. Listen, find a place where God has you and just do your best in that place. Whatever it is, give your all. had a great meeting with a group of ushers and greeters this morning. And man, I just wanted to encourage them how vital that ministry is. Every ministry in this church... Is vital. Whether it's cleaning, work in the nursery, whether you help out with special events and serving and hostessing, or whether you're involved in a Sunday school class or a bus route or junior church, whatever you do, it has value in the kingdom of God. There is a cause, a great cause. Today, today there's going to come a time in each and every one of our lives when we're going to be attacked. We're going to be attacked each and every day. The devil's coming after us and the world's coming after us. Our own flesh is trying to damage us from within. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when that temptation comes? What are you going to do when those problems come? What are you going to do when the devil tries to stop you and keep you from doing what God wants you to do? Will you give up? It amazes me how little it takes for some people to give up on the cause of Christ. A little disagreement... A little frustration, 
A few circumstances that don't go their way and all of a sudden they're given up. And I know, I know that those things are real. And I know that the pain that you may sometimes feel is real. And I know the frustration that you have in your heart is real. But there is a cause so much greater than us. We've got to keep going forward. We've got to. Let me encourage you, don't let anybody stop you. Don't let anybody stop you. There's going to come a time when people around you are going to criticize you and put you down. There's going to come a time when perhaps your coworkers aren't going to understand why you do the things you do. There's going to come a time when your family members may not understand why you take a stand on certain issues. There's going to come a time when your friends around you and your neighbors don't understand why you insist on following the Bible. There's going to come a time when perhaps your own children aren't going to like this particular stand that you make on this Word of God. There's going to come a time perhaps when your own spouse won't like it. What are you going to do at that time? What are you going to do? You know, Pastor Donald preached a great message last week, last Sunday night, about homosexuality. And I truly believe that that's going to be a defining issue for American Christians. We can be against a lot of things as Christians, and people may get upset at us, and they may not agree with us, but that's okay. They understand it. But this issue, no one will ever understand. They're turning it into a civil rights issue, and how dare we infringe upon the rights of somebody else? And when we simply stand on the Bible, and listen, I, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I, I've been out soul winning hundreds and thousands of times, and I have never once brought up the subject of homosexuality out on soul winning. I mean, have you ever gone to someone's door and you've been like, yeah, Creed Baptist Temple, we're the one, we're against homosexuals over there. I mean, are you kidding me? We don't, we don't do that. Why, why would we do that? We love everybody. We want everybody to get saved. It just so happens that we follow the Bible on this particular issue. You know, Pastor Donald preached a great message the other night, but when was the last time he preached a message on homosexuality? He doesn't. We don't focus on it. We don't emphasize it. We emphasize the love of Jesus and how people can go to heaven. That's what we emphasize and focus on around here. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because we're standing on the Word of God. There's going to come a time when the whole world is going to be against us. They're going to criticize us and they're going to put us down. And There's going to come a time in your own life where people are going to criticize you and put you down. And they're going to say, you can't live for God anymore. And you can't do those types of things anymore. And you can't follow the Bible anymore. It's too old-fashioned and it's not relevant to today. And you just can't do it. They're going to tell you to give up those standards. and They're going to tell you to quit on all those things that you held dear. And they're going to say, you can't be like that anymore. You need to change. You need to get with the times. You need to forget about all that. They're going to tell you that over and over and over again. And what are you going to do? I want to encourage you tonight to make a determination to die on the battlefield. Not to quit, not to give up. But when the time comes to be able to say like Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. You know, when people come after you like that, there's going to come a time when you're going to have to hold this Word of God in your hands. And you're going to have to say, I don't care what the press says. And I don't care if my friends are against the Bible. And I don't care if my own family doesn't want to follow God anymore. And I don't care what other people say. And you're just going to have to plant yourself firmly on this Word of God. And you're just going to have to hold back. And when they tell you to move, and they tell you to quit, and they tell you to back down, you're going to say, no. Plant yourself like a tree by the rivers of water. Plant yourself deep. In the truth of God's word and say, I will not move, you move. Will you be willing to do that? So many are not. So many are not. Sure, they'll follow God for a while, but there comes a time when they just give up. I'm thankful for the testimony of some of the senior saints, the young at hearts here at our church, who've been just sticking by the stuff, 
decade after decade after decade. Haven't changed. They haven't wavered. I think of my own dad in his 60s now. He's been saved for almost 40 years and he has not changed. He's still sticking by it. He's still living his life by the Bible. He hasn't given up. And I hope it's not for many years, but i got a feeling when my dad dies, he's going to die still on the battlefield. Still living for God. Will that describe you? It is a momentous and tragic thing when a Christian like us, who once held the banner of truth high, we're not afraid or ashamed of being a Christian, and we're strong in our beliefs, it is a sad and tragic thing when that Christian changes. It is very obvious to people around you. When you say, oh, well, I just, I just changed my mind a little bit. I just don't do that anymore. I just realized it wasn't important anymore. I just realized that all those things that I was so concerned about and the pastor and, and the leadership over there at CBT were so concerned about, I just realized it doesn't matter anymore. But you know what? When you let those things go, it is very obvious to people around you. People who are influenced by you. People who maybe you didn't even realize were watching you as you stood for Christ. When you give these things up, it makes a huge difference. And a very terrible and negative difference. I encourage you, keep sticking by this stuff. There's going to come a time when it's going to be, it's going to be your time to die. Your time to pass off into eternity. When that happens... Don't you want Christ to be standing there saying, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome thou into the joy of the Lord. Isn't that what you want to happen? And you can say with Paul that I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith. And you can receive that crown of righteousness. Vince Lombardi said this. He said, I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is the moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. Man, when you get to the end of your life, will you be victorious? And I understand, perhaps, when you get there, that not everything will have turned out perfect, and not every dream that you have may have come true, but you can say, honestly, that you stood by it, and you kept going no matter what, and you followed God, and you lived for God, and you stood by the stuff, and you said, I'm just going to keep fighting. You never put your sword down, and you never quit battling the devil. You never quit battling against your own flesh, and fighting against the world, and trying to do everything you can, and leading your family, and influencing others around you. You said, I want to die on the battlefield. Will you be able to honestly say that? Why don't you play that, brother? Some say give me silver, and others say give me gold. I'll say give me Jesus, he satisfies my soul. For I want to die on the battlefield, I want to die in this war. I want to die on the battlefield with glory in my soul. I used to have some people who walked and talked with me. But since I've been converted, they've turned their backs on me. But I want to die on the battlefield. I want to die in this war. I want to die on the battlefield 
with glory in my soul. Let me have her heads bowed and her eyes closed. Some. The piano is going to start in just a minute, but I wonder if there's someone here who's been tempted to lay down their sword. I wonder if there's someone here who's been tempted to give up. You're going to face trials and tribulations along the way. I guarantee it. Will you keep fighting? Will you keep fighting? Will you wake up tomorrow and say, man, what do I need to do today to fight? Perhaps there are some things you need to get rid of in your life. Perhaps there are some things you need to do to allow God to have the preeminence in your life. The devil wants nothing more than to see so many of us in here give up, give out, and give in. Will you allow him to win? Or will you just keep fighting? Just keep fighting and say, I I can't control everything in my life. I can't necessarily uh, do everything that I want to do in my life. but but, But bless God, I can keep fighting. I can keep doing what I can. I can keep doing everything I can to stay out in the battlefield and not to give up and not to quit and not to turn around and not to turn back from what I know God wants me to do and I know the Bible tells me to do. Just keep fighting. And when you do that day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year, you're going to find a time at the end of your life when you're going to say, wow, I guess I'm still fighting. It's the end of my life. I don't have much time left. And like Paul, you'll be able to say, I I fought the good fight of faith. You'll have others that you can encourage and others that you've influenced. And you can say, listen, I'm about ready to quit. You're going to have to take up the sword. I'm about ready to go off to heaven. You're going to have to pick up this sword. And you won't have to worry about those that you've influenced looking at you and going, wait, what happened to him? What happened to her? She used to be someone great. And he used to be someone that lived for God. And where'd they go? They used to teach my Sunday school class. And they used to run my bus route. And they used to be someone that I saw shaking my hand when I came into church. Where did they go? And they left the battlefield. Never let that be said of us. Die still fighting. Let's stand as the piano plays.